An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. So I'm looking here at, um, well, I, I just want to, I, I want to share this little, uh, this little nugget with you here before we, uh, before we get too further. So I'm looking here uh, on my trusty iPad Pro at the Gartner Glossary, the online Gartner Glossary. This is the information, <clears throat> excuse me, I, uh, by the way, a uh, little bit under the weather this week. So if it sounds like... Um, uh, if I don't sound like I'm my normal self, uh, or if it sounds like I just finished, you know, running a mile, it's because, uh, you know, not, not 100%. However, the show must go on, as they say, so here we are. Um, and, and I'm looking at the Gartner Information Technology Glossary, which, uh, you know, is actually a really great uh, place to go if you, if you want to look up some, some of, you know, if you want to find out what some of those words that IT people throw around and find out what they mean by that, then this is a... This is a great place. Uh, you can find it uh, on the Gartner website. But today, I am, uh, just, just for grins, I'm looking at their definition of ITOT integration. And it goes like this. And I'm just going to read it exactly the way it's written here. So, so here we go. ITOT, with the slash, ITOT integration is the end state sought by organizations, most commonly asset-intensive organizations, that's in parentheses, where instead of separation of IT and OT as technology areas with the different areas of authority and responsibility, there is, so instead of that, there is integrated process and information flow. Now, So it's the end state sought by organizations where instead of separation of IT and OT, they, there's integrated products. So, you know, I, and I love my friends at Gartner. Uh, the, uh, so Rich McAvee, if you're, if you're listening to this, but don't hate me. But, you know, when I, was, um, when I was in school, you know, way back in olden times, they always told us that you're not supposed to define a word like using the word. But I think what I just read here in the Gartner Glossary is that ITO, <laughs> ITOT integration is when IT and OT are integrated. So, guys, you got to, like, I, I love you guys, but this one, you need something better than this. That's the definition here, um, because this, this one's just not getting it done. So uh, back to the drawing board on that. However, folks, I do hope that by the time you get to this episode, uh, which, by the way, uh, this is the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast. Uh, and I know I know you know that already, but uh, I am supposed to say it sometime in the beginning. Um, and uh, but this is the Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you right here on the Oil and Gas Global Network by our very good friends at Cognite. 
Uh, Cognite is the uh, sponsor of this and every episode in this show. And I know you've heard me say this before, but if you if you don't know about Cognite, you have to go check out what they're doing. Go to Cognite.com. Go to MakeDataDoMore.Cognite.com. You can guess what that's about. Um, and just have a look because, uh, you know, we love our sponsors at OGGN, uh, not just because they pay the bills, but the, all the sponsors we work with, um, we love them because they do great stuff for the industry, and uh, and they're and they're good people. So if we like them, then you're gonna like them, and you should uh, you should uh, go send them, <laughs> send them. <laughs> you don't send them your love, just show them some love. Now there is another sponsor in the mix today. Just just for this episode, this is kind of a special thing we're doing, and um, and that sponsor is our very good friends at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, HPE. Um, and the reason why they're in the mix today is because somebody had an idea and I can't remember if it was, it might've been Randy had this idea or it was Jennifer. I, you know, I can't, so, so guys, I apologize. I don't remember who had the idea, but anyway, this idea, he said, well, you know, what do you think if we do this? Can we make it work? And I said, sure, this is a great idea. So what's going to happen, um, is, uh, well, I guess the easiest way to say it is that the show has been hijacked and, uh, we are very, actually very happy to have, uh, in, in the chief hijacker role, uh, Mr. Brett McKee from ExxonMobil, who is actually going to be the guest host for the rest of this episode. I'll come back at the end uh, to do all the usual stuff at the end. But Brett um, is, is, has embarked on a, a fearless effort to corral four other guys in a conversation about this very subject that we opened up with today. And, and they got some great insights on it. And I, I'm telling you, you got to go easy on Brett because... Uh, this is this is not for the faint of heart. Taking taking four other people. By the way, they're all kind of in the remote configuration, right? So they they weren't able to be in the same place. And uh, Brett did a fantastic job of orchestrating this conversation. I'm not going to tell you who all the people are because they they do that. You're going to hear that in just a minute. So I'm going to step aside and let's listen to Brett McKee from Exxon Mobil and his friends from Exxon Mobil, HBE, and Intel as they discuss. The fascinating world of open process automation. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Oil and Gas Tech Podcast. Your usual host, Michael O'Sullivan, is not hosting the show and has gracefully offered the mic to myself, Brett McKee. I'm the Chief Technology Architect within ExxonMobil's IT department. I'm responsible for exploring, evaluating, and de risking emerging technologies. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing various aspects of the convergence of operational technologies and information technologies, which I know has been the subject of this podcast on many occasions. But today, specifically, we are going to focus on open process automation, or OPA, as it's well known. We're also going to talk about how edge computing architectures and technologies drive and enable this convergence of IT and OT. Uh, as well as the various business problems that we believe these architectures, technologies, and solutions can help us solve. To do this, <clears throat> I have with me uh, four colleagues. I've got two from ExxonMobil and one each from Intel and HPE. So I'll turn it over and let each of them introduce their name and positions, and then we'll jump into the rest of the podcast. Dave, why don't you get us started? Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Brett, and happy to be here. Um, Dave Hedge, I am a solution architect in our research and engineering IT organization. Um, which is part of ExxonMobil IT. Um, I spend half my time looking at um, modeling and optimization software problems, um, and the other part looking at the hardware architecture um, for edge computing and our open process automation platform. Um, and I'll turn it over to Steve Batar next. 
Hey, hello, thanks. Uh, my name is Steve Bittar. So I, um, I work in ExxonMobil Research and, and Development. And uh, well, I held a, held a whole series. I held a whole series of automation roles throughout my career and I'm uh, now based in Annandale, New Jersey. Thanks, Steve. Now to Intel, we have uh, Cesar Martinez Fasat. Thank you, Brett. Um, uh, I am director of engineering in uh, the IoT, the Internet of Things group. Very happy to be here with you guys and talking about these amazing technologies that we are looking for. Thanks so much. And the last uh, person with us today is James Morrison with HPE. Uh, my name is James Morrison. I'm a cybersecurity technologist with Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Um, prior to that was uh, 22 years with the FBI working um, threats out of the Houston area, um, you know, na nation state as well as uh, criminal groups. And my job is to work with the BUs inside of HPE to um, determine how cybersecurity and security threats, um, you know, might affect them and then work with customers as to how we can, uh, you know, deploy better technology to secure our enterprises. Thanks so much, gentlemen. If I see some themes weaving through here already, security is going to probably be top of mind for a number of us as we get through uh, some of the discussion. So again, thanks so much and uh, so excited to have you all uh, with us. So why don't we uh, take a few minutes and do just a little bit of scene setting and maybe provide a little history from the operations technology side and then flip over and talk a little bit more about the IT side of the house. So Steve, you want to start setting with a little bit of a context from the operations technology space, especially from an R&D perspective and kind of a little bit about your journey uh, to date? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Brett. So uh, this is a, it's a long story. Uh, I'll do my best to keep it short because it's about maybe about eight years of work condensed in just a couple of minutes. So the whole journey on the, uh, the standards-based open process automation uh, path was started back in 2010 or so. And, and ExxonMobil at the time was faced with this obsolescence issue of uh, a significant proportion of our distributed control systems, our PCS, and it required a costly rip and replace. And one of the questions, what one of our senior executive managers asked was if we're going to spend this much money to switch our systems because of the obsolescence issue, is there a way we can do it in a manner that allows us to generate competitive advantage? So that started uh, a whole series of questions and events and, and uh, discussions about maybe we should just go ahead and try to find an incrementally better system. And it's really the problem was we didn't want to have to move you know, 30,000 pairs of wires. Uh, we didn't really want to rewrite our process control apps or our graphics. And we realized that if we just stuck with a proprietary monolithic control system, we wouldn't eliminate those problems. So, so while we did look for best in class DCS, we wanted to get away from these fundamental problems of the high switching costs. So, and we also realized that you might switch to a better system today, but in 10, 20, 30 years, it's unlikely that system will remain uh, ahead of the other. So, so the answer we came up with is, well, we need to really look towards the standards-based systems or an open system. And that's not an open source model. It's an open interface model uh, where components are interchangeable, interoperable, et cetera. So, so the way we went about this um, was uh, we really started by looking at adjacent industries. The first thing that we did is we looked over the fence to... Uh, to the um, Department of Defense and a program uh, standard called FACE, the Future Airborne Capability Environment. And they were trying to solve a remarkably similar problem. They, they wanted a set of standards that supported interoperability and portability and interchangeability, security, on and on, a whole series of quality attributes. Uh, we, we, we hired them to write a white paper on open systems and then also developed a proof of concept where we just took a heterogeneous mix of components, had them interoperating together to create the equivalent of a DCS 
but it wasn't a proprietary system. All the components were interacting through standard-based uh, communication. And of course, the, uh, you know, that went on to a pilot. Uh, we also uh, uh, built a system for up in our, our, our uh, Clinton R&D facility. Uh, and it was, it was actually on a pilot. Uh, so internally, we wrote a bunch of white papers. We tried to drive some change from it internally in ExxonMobil. Uh, we filed a patent on a particular system design, but then transferred it uh, to the open group, a standard staff organization, so that we would ensure freedom to operate. And then we started a lot of external uh, relationships with companies like Intel that we whispered a couple of ideas in their ear about maybe building a prototype system. And within a couple of months, they built a pretty remarkable uh, um, open system that they demonstrated for us, which was quite, quite impressive and allowed interchangeability of devices. We worked with Wind River. Um, they had a product at the time that was really a real-time hypervisor technology. They were part of Intel at the time. Uh, and then we found a small company in Austria called NXT Control, where they had this IEC 61499 standards-based automation environment for process control. Uh, and that company was uh, later acquired by Schneider uh, Electric, I think it was around 2017 or so. And, and then we started up the whole series of collaboration partnerships with other operators to help us um, accelerate the development and testing. Um, and then that, I mean, that's probably a good five years of yeah. start uh, uh, until uh, you know, we got the DOP reform. So let me take a break there. No, it's great, Steve. I really appreciate the, the, the history lesson and the insights there. One thing I did want to double click on just a little bit and kind of open it up to the team here, that word open. I know Steve mentioned this, you know, this differentiation between open sourced and open systems. I know oftentimes this idea of anything open, you know, brings the stigma, of, you know, kind of like a free for all or, you know, security challenges and, and whatnot. I wonder with just the folks here, I mean, how have you been able to kind of make sure and differentiate that as we talk about, in this case, open process automation, this difference between open systems, as Steve described, and open sourced? Yeah, so I, I can take a, an initial stab at this. Um, you know, as as an IT professional, um, you know, 2017, 2016, 2017 was was the beginning of kind of the IoT explosion. Um, everybody wanted to do analytics. Everybody wanted to have a platform to do that. Um, and and what we realized um, as we looked at this, in order to meet enterprise scale, you had to have the ability um, to have you know flexibility in, in what you deployed and how you supported it. Um, and we saw a lot of these kind of vertical vertical solutions that would solve one individual problem. Um, but as as you look at the enterprise and building it across, you were implementing the same thing over and over and over again for each use case. Um, so from a from an architecture perspective, kind of around the open concept was was really how do you design an architecture that allows you um, to to meet the enterprise demand, so still be able to scale it horizontally um, across multiple business business um, units and uh, business use cases. Um, but, but maintain that foundational um, capability that was open enough so that you could swap things in and out. Um, and it, it really began to catch on, um, especially as we evaluated more and more of these use cases that said, okay, you know, this, this becomes kind of interesting. And, and how do we you know, follow the history that IT has been on for a, a few decades, you know, specifically kind of around virtualization and consolidating workloads in our data center? Um, you know, this new paradigm of, IoT and edge computing and some of the things that Steve was mentioning, you know, how do we bring some of those capabilities that we have on the IT side, um, you know, into the OT space? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. I guess my experience across it, you know, open source always, you know, drives, I don't say a bad name, but it's, you know, software was a very common thing we saw with open source, where, you know, its code was was kind of group think and, and you developed it over time with lots of different inputs. And 
you know, there was always some concern around that in, in a lot of enterprise environments. But open systems is, you know, more along that idea of it's a little bit more porous. And I think, especially when we look at edge computing, edge computing tends to be more open than what we were used to in the past. Um, I, I often talk about this new paradigm of, you know, 75% of our data is being created at the edge of our networks. Um, and we're trying to figure out how to get it. First of all, we want, how do we get that securely from the edge into our data centers, into our cloud? But the second thing is how do we gain insights into that data? How do we use that data for, for better economics, for example? Maybe there's more, um, uh, maybe there's a financial aspect of it. Because um, statistically, 80% of the data we make, create at the edge is left at the edge. So we want to use it. Um, I think when we look at things like uh, OT environments, um, there might be data that we're gathering there that isn't necessarily uh, part and parcel of what you all are doing in the oil and gas side, you know, as to, you know, the management of like a pipeline, but it might be data that's useful to the IoT provider. Maybe, maybe there's a, you know, there's data that's being provided that says, hey, there's this sensor failing or this device is failing that can then be turned around and used in a way for data analytics. Um, and so as David was saying, you've got all of these stacks and when we see if we see one item maybe that's doing a particular thing, that might be good data for another stack of, of the same system that we might prevent future you know, issues. And so open, open systems are trying to use that, gather that data, use it for better insights across, across the entire environment and not just be stuck in that silo. Well, that's good. Maybe one more uh, point in this area around this whole idea uh, of the Open Group and Open Process Automation Forum. Steve, you want to talk just a little bit about what that entity has allowed kind of industry, both from a supplier and an end user perspective, uh, and some of the things we've been able to achieve with that type of consortium? Yeah, sure. So back in 2016, uh, Don Bartusiak and myself, who Don was the chief engineer of uh, process control automation at the time, uh, kicked off the OPA forum along with the Open Group, and so as the uh, facilitator of, uh, of the forum. And, and, and it grew very quickly. I mean, I think we had an astonishing 40 to 60 members initially joined. I think we're up to uh, over 120 members now. Um, I think there are over 20 hardware and software suppliers. But maybe most importantly, there are five major DCS suppliers uh, that are involved in the forum. And, and, and I say surprisingly because um, it, this will require a business transformation for them uh, to evolve towards uh, sort of open systems idea. But what we did, we got everyone together and we said, hey, look, let's agree on sort of a beacon, something we can shoot and drive for so we're all rolling in the same direction. And, and we learned this from uh, the, the way that the, the face stand was put together and we selected a set of quality attributes. And we said we want interoperability, portability, interchangeability of hardware. I mentioned those before, right? Modularity, maintainability, high availability as well. And, and armed with that beacon, um, we were all able to put, I think we're on our second release, actually release 2.1 of the standard now, uh, which is driving towards a set of standards that would allow uh, those quality attributes to be realized. Now, the idea is we just specify interfaces, uh, but being, you know, it's a, it's a group of engineers, uh, many of which have a lot of experience in designing systems. Um, you know, we, we tend to move a little bit into the development of some functionality, although strictly speaking, we should, the real intent is to focus just on the interfaces. Um, and, and what ExxonMobil does in this role is we sort of serve as the operations testing lab, so to speak. I mean, I don't want to say the forums like, are like the theoretical physicists. They have a lot of practical experience. But when you put pen to paper, you're, you're making a best guess at what interface standards will work. And we'll take them off to our lab and we have a partnership with the Okagawa Test Band in Texas. And, and we'll test some of these things out. Uh, and 
see whether or not in practice, uh, you know, it's the experimental side, these are good decisions for standards. Um, we also work closely with Georgia Tech Research Institute because we're working on a set of physical interface standards so that edge devices are interchangeable. And that means the, the pinout for power and communications and structural support allow you to interchange devices as a routine maintenance activity. We're working with members of the forum on OT orchestration. Uh, one company in particular, we did a uh, uh, early proof of concept with the seaplane.ai startup based in California. Uh, we're working on a couple of other things to uh, meet a common operating environment, uh, which uh, you know, Dave had just spent a lot of uh, a lot of effort uh, time and and energy in developing so that our applications are platform independent. Uh, and uh, I know there, there are many other things we do, but that's kind of that's kind of the bulk of um, ExxonMobil's role and the, the broader view of the forum. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I know it's been kind of a really uh, great to see, you know, this, this collaboration of global leaders and process industries, uh, system integrators, suppliers, you know, even academia come together and, and, and really focus on this idea of that open, secure and interoperable process control architecture. So really some, some great work there. Well, why don't we shift a little bit now and, and talk about kind of the other side of IT and OT and, and look at uh, IT in particular. And, and, and maybe Dave, let's start with this idea of building flexible architecture uh, for this uh, edge compute capability. Talk a little bit about how you got to, um, I, I guess what we internally like to call the couch yep. uh, as, as we move forward. And I know you shared that externally a lot too. Yeah, no, absolutely. So as I alluded to, um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I was tasked to do was to figure out how to do edge computing with an ExxonMobil um, from an IT perspective. Um, and this is, you know, as we surveilled um, the market to see, okay, what, what could we do and how would it meet the demands and use cases, you know, at the time, which were more kind of IoT centric, um, so monitoring buildings, um, you know, some initial count of camera and video type stuff. How would we get a platform that could scale, um, you know, across our different business lines? And what what became relatively apparent at the time was, you know, there's a lot of focus on um, the, the use case. So the camera, the computer vision, the AI, the machine learning, but the kind of below the waterline piece of it, the actual architecture and infrastructure that could deliver that was very undeveloped. Um, and so what we did is we did something, you know, not I would say not typical for ExxonMobil, um, but we held an edge day. Um, and we brought a lot of the IT providers, including HPE and Intel, in, um, and sat down and laid, um, you know, laid out our requirements. You know, tried to get really, really smart people in the room and say, okay, here's what we're trying to solve for. Um, and, you know, at that point, we we went down this journey of working with the tech industry um, to, to begin to to solve for some of those problems because, at the time, we didn't think we were going to end up at the controls world um, potentially. But you know, as as you know, my network grew internally. Um, as I heard what Steve was doing, um, all of a sudden, you know, some of the architecture pieces that we put together in 2017 are now influencing where, you know, we take the OPA test bed um, and, and begin to look at how do we do things differently? And I know, Caesar, you played a huge role in that. If you, I don't know if you want to comment on, on the, the couch, as we like to call it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I always uh, show the couch as a lighthouse about how the Fortune 100 need to develop their architecture specifically working with flexible architectures. You know, every single Fortune 100, what they are doing is working with a line of business and they create their own implementation from the cloud, core, edge, etc. cetera. So um, that creates what we talk at, you know, at the time, and we have been talking in, 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 this, in this podcast about a, a style between the different, you know, implementation. Uh, the couch is coming to solve these things, 
is coming to solve the, the issues that we have regarding interoperability, working with flexibility, you know, and also um, working with the security, having a holistic standpoint of security. That is a must for every single application and every single uh, implementation that we want to have in the digital transformation. And I see that many companies are going in that, in, in that situation and see the couch that uh, ExxonMobil is implemented as a lighthouse, as I mentioned before, helping them to, have, to be more scalable in the different uh, industries and uh, helping them to solve the problem of support that sometimes is very difficult when you have this one deployed in production. And you know, it's a new technology, new things, new stuff that we are putting on the edge and many companies are struggling with support. Having a complete architecture and unification of all the services is a must in order to solve this enterprise challenge. Yeah, Caesar, to double click a little bit more on that, when we talk about security in this flexible architecture, in this edge compute space, I think there are a number of different aspects under that. And I wonder, could you talk a little bit, you know, because there's things like hardware security, there's OS security, there's virtualization. You know, it's a, maybe talk about a couple of different layers of security that uh, Intel helped bring to the table as we tried to kind of solve this challenge for us. Absolutely. You know, this is security is uh, not something that uh, one company can solve. It's a join of many companies, many industry players to work on the things. And as you mentioned, Brett, you know, there is things from the hardware standpoint that we work with our suppliers, with our partner, with our customers to make this one happen. That is all based on the hardware root of trust. Uh, but also all these mechanisms need to be addressed by the operating system. So we work very diligently with the operating system in order to have this implementation going. Um, and then later on, what Dave mentioned about how we work to consolidate this operation. That is working with uh, virtualization, and containerization. So with every single engine of uh, virtualization engine or containers engine, we work with them in order to solidify the, the edge and the cloud and the core, having one holistic standpoint about security. And when we you know, harden security, uh, we implied working with trustworthiness. That is you know, a, a critical thing in order to understand that every single layer knows each other and trust each other, okay? The, the second thing that we work is the data, okay? And the data are divided in different things. Data at rest, how is the store in the different you know, machine, how is the store in the different computing uh, places? And then, you know, the data in transit, when you need to transmit this information. That is also, you know, a critical challenge that we protect with the you know, hardware root of trust. And last but not least, when you are using the data, this is something that you need to protect. And this is how you protect with memory, how you protect with virtualization and containerization. I think that this is a critical thing in order to have a holistic standpoint about security and have what we are doing with the couch architecture, you know, a complete understanding of security and with the different policies and support mechanisms that need to happen. James, I think you wanted to add a little bit more here too from a security perspective. Yeah, I mean, you know, as our data gets closer to the edge and we want to process it at the edge, I mean, one of the questions is, you know, we can't latency as a as a non, you know, as a non-starter. We have to we have to actually make sure that our servers can can sit there and, and process that data, right? So that's why, you know, like what David was talking, hyperconvergence is a big push. We're seeing a lot of this, you know, being able to modularize, ser you know, server and uh, you know, uh, uh, network architecture and storage architecture at the edge. And I think that's gonna to continue to be one driving factor. We're also seeing a big drive towards SASE, um, you know, the secure edge uh, architecture 
um, software-defined WAN with the security features on the end of it. Um, IoT is going to only continue to grow, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, everybody wants to have OT and IoT on their networks, um, but they want to do it in the least secure way, and they want to do it in a way that um, uh, you know they want to do it in a way that works for them, right? And then you know that that is the most convenient. Um, and and uh, unfortunately, a lot of times we trade convenience for security, and and that's that's the challenge. Um, and so we have to we have to make sure we're we're having a good conversation about risk way before. I mean, I, I always talk about risk. That's that's the conversation. As we add devices to our network, we're adding risk. And so why not have architecture or security built in before we before we go completely off the off the reservation and have you know way too many devices before we try to secure them? And that's unfortunately what happens a lot of times is we add a lot of devices and then say, oh, I guess we should secure this. Um, and, and I think if we do that on the front end, it becomes a lot easier to add more as we go. Okay. Well, maybe one more kind of area I want us to dive into, and it really is this idea of scalability and supportability, especially from an enterprise perspective. Uh, you, know, you know, oftentimes I think many folks, you know, kind of have in their mind this idea of ITOT and edge is maybe just a couple of notches above home automation. Uh, but, but I think we know from an enterprise perspective, we're not just talking tens of devices or hundreds of devices. We're, we're often it, it's thousands, if not tens of thousands of devices and on a global scale. So one of the other areas I know we all have collectively spent a lot of time on is this idea of sustainability and supportability at enterprise scale. Can y'all talk a little bit about some of the, the challenges that we've had in that space and then how we've uh, worked to overcome them? So um, I think one of the reasons that we held the, the tech day was to address this exact point. Um, it is a paradigm shift to go from, you know, centralized architecture, servers and data centers now to looking at, um, you know, all these devices spread out across your enterprise. Um, you know, how do you manage it? How do you secure it? How do you operate it? Um, it's all a question I think everybody has. So it, that's that's one of the reasons for, for engaging um, with the industry. I think the, the other part here, um, you know, from a scale and, and sustainability aspect is, you know, we're one vertical um, that represents what we're trying to do. Um, there are other verticals out there that are, are doing similar things. And I think it's important that we all share and learn, um, you know, how we're trying to tackle the problem. Um, you know, I think everybody wants, you know, secure and, and scalable and supportable. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, the best way to accomplish that is to learn from others. I know as, as we kind of did our roadshow with, with the quote unquote couch, um, there were a bunch of people asking questions um, from all sorts of different you know, places, medical, um, automotive, other, other oil and gas. Um, you know, everybody wants the same thing. So I think part of, part of getting to that, that ultimate vision, um, one is, is making sure that we're bringing the right folks to the table um, and articulating what we're trying to accomplish. And the other one is learning from, from folks that are doing um, and, and what their use cases are. Why has ExxonMobil and other industries like ourselves, academia, suppliers, come together uh, to, to look at this whole idea of open process automation and how is it serving us as we look ahead to tomorrow's requirements? Okay, thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I get it. we get asked this question a lot, obviously. You know, why should we get involved? Why should we care? What's the impact on the bottom line? How does this impact uh, my particular plan? Uh, so the real kind of general terms, we want more competitive pricing, we want more innovation, we want vendor responsiveness, so that we can do things like lower our unit cost for production, uh, whether that's you know, reducing our opex or increasing our capacity utilization in plants. We want to be able to add value, make uh, higher value products through very clever software, and, and maybe create an environment for marketplace innovation, maybe an OT app source, so to speak, 
Uh, and for that, you need a common operating environment, much like uh, Dave's uh, couch we talked about earlier. Uh, so, uh, and final security, we want the systems to be secure by design versus bolted on and be able to integrate whatever the state-of-the-art measures you have for defense in depth, whether that's uh, you know, TPM or hardware root of trust, um, because as the vulnerabilities emerge, so do the defenses, so must the defenses. Thanks, Steve. So, so, so much for that. That's interesting as, as you, you know, kind of talk through this whole idea of, of the marketplace and, and the implication this has on, you know, really growing and improving our solutions. Maybe, uh, Caesar, to, to build on that, why don't you talk a little about, about uh, you know, some of the other enabling capabilities like autonomous infrastructure or, or workload orchestration based on artificial intelligence? Absolutely. So in support of, you know, what Steve mentioned, today the workload is not executed just only one place. You know, the workload is divided in many places from the cloud, the core, the edge, the smart devices that are located, uh, instrumenting the environment. So the challenge here is how to organize, how to orchestrate this workload. And that's, uh, you know, what we see uh, upcoming is automating infrastructure. That means, you know, making not only the infrastructure that will support the different line of business use cases to be uh, autonomous, but also understanding very well from the different orchestration of the workload about where the workload should be located. That means, you know, today having that capability, if you add all the computing power that you have on from the edge to the cloud, you have a really big brain there that can help to guide you over the different implementations. And this is the case where we are trying to make with the workload orchestration, that you, know, you don't care specifically where the workload will be executed. You will care about you know, the network one with the different implementations you have, but the workload will move based on the different requirements of the final customer, the, the different requirements of the physical machine mm -hmm. of the OT implementation. The workload will be executed in some way that will be transparent for the organization. Mm. Yeah, this, is, this has been really interesting. I want to kind of pivot uh, towards uh, cybersecurity or OT uh, cyber resilience, because I think with all the greatest functionalities in the world without the necessary you know, cyber protection, you, you know, it really opens us up for other risk and, and, and challenges. And, and, and James, I might want to get you to comment on something that Steve talked about. It was in the past, this idea of brushing on security versus baking it in with today's you know, modern architectures and, and, and technologies. Might you talk just a little bit about, you know, from an, an OT cyber resilience perspective, especially in light of a lot of the challenges we've seen of late? Yeah, I mean, resiliency is a, is the big, well, a big challenge, right? I mean, we, we want to make sure it's, you know, that we're, we're able to resist damages, resist, uh, you know, persistent attacks, um, you, know, you know, not allow an intruder to gain some sort of deep, you know, access into our networks. And so I think, you know, we're, we're continuing to try to build security from the ground up. So not something bolted on or laid over the top, but something that every piece of data that flows over the top of it, you know, is secure. Um, and so that's like even with working with, you know, Intel, you know, as they produce new processors, making sure that the security features of those processors are incorporated into, you know, the offerings that we have and everybody has, because um, we have a lot of great technologies out there, right? There's a lot of those, those great tools, but if it's not easy, if it's not something that integrates into a current system, then what's going to end up happening is, is people are going to go, well, that's too much work. I mean, I've got to make sure that I, I can I can deploy security um, in a way that you know it, it whatever the whatever the field is, 
I go under that field and I and I lay everything lays over the top and lays very cleanly. And so cyber resiliency, you know, is baked all the way down to the beginning to hardware levels. Yeah, and James, I think that's that's spot on. Um, what one of the you know, one of the cool things about you know the capabilities that we're talking as we, as we look forward to these open systems is it's truly a unique time to be able to redefine everything, um, and you know really begin to embed. You know, some of the learnings that we've had on the IT side over the last 20 years, um, you know, some of the learnings that the OT side has had for the last 20 years, and really begin to merge um, those two concepts together and figure out, okay, who can bring, you know, the best and the brightest, um, you know, minds together to solve some of these, some of these challenges, whether, whether it's security orchestration, um, you know, how we're going to do this from an OT perspective to, to provide the high availability and the continuous runtime that we need. Um, but it, it's a really unique, uh, a unique opportunity to really think differently. Well, I know as, as technologists, I think we could probably sit here for quite some time and continue to, as we call it, geek out and even have a little <laughs> bit of fun about this. But ultimately, it's going to come down, are we delivering massive value? And so I want to kind of turn the, some of the, the talking around theories, you know, paper architectures, et cetera, and this idea of strategy to execution and, and ultimately to adoption and, and uptake. I wonder, could uh, we talk a little bit more about what have we actually done so far? What have we delivered? And what have, are some of the things we've learned from some of those earlier uh, uh, minimal viable products, if you will? Sure. So, um, you know, one, one of the things um, that over the last uh, year or so, um, <clears throat> one of the programs that we ran was with the Georgia Tech Research Institute. Um, and it is using, you know, products like Raspberry Pis and Big Bowl and Black, so generic computing. Um, it's got custom IO on it, and uh, it's running some of the IT technologies you find in a data center like containers um, in order to provide essentially a very small um, operating environment uh, for industrial control. Um, so, you know, taking, taking some of these concepts um, from paper, um, you know, Steve, Steve talked about in the, in the previous podcast, um, some of the quality attributes that we need and actually implementing them to say, you know, where are the gaps in the technology? Um, and, you know, can we find those? Is it meeting the need? And if it's not, how do we go out and find the individuals that can help us close those? Um, you know, so there's, there's the implementation part, but then there's a, a very, very important second part, which is how do you educate people? Um, you know, this, this is a very complex space um, on the IT side, and we're trying to overlay into two different areas, operational technology and IT technology. So, you know, even as in, in similar with security, even as we continue to progress and take some of these architectures and thoughts off of paper, um, you know, there are certain, certain individuals who can do that. But at the same time, it's important to elevate everybody's knowledge um, so that at the end of the day, we can be successful um, when, when these systems begin to arrive. And you know, Caesar, James, Steve, you guys have comments on that? Absolutely. I think that the critical thing that you are showcasing here, Dave, and, and, and you demonstrated with several of the implementations that you have been doing is that you can integrate several companies to work with these things. This is something that we need to work together as an industry in order to simplify the adoption and reduce the, the roadblock for innovation. And uh, from an Intel standpoint, we are looking for from different angles, these things, as I mentioned before, in the world of orchestration, world of consolidation, and autonomous systems. And, but also, you know, having the, the, the other leg that is the hardware root of trust that can help to de develop and deploy the different use cases that you are looking for. Yeah, and, and that's why, I mean, you know, we've been working with Intel as, you know, as they've come out with, you know, technologies, we make sure that we can match that technology with additional security. Um, and, you know, we, we keep doubling down 
Um, you know, we keep saying, you know, we recognize that the edge is the, is the, the challenge to, to our networks um, and, and introducing new products, new security features. And it all comes down to having those security conversations beforehand. All right. Well, it's a great conversation. I want to take one more uh, area to, to talk a little bit about, and it really isn't this whole idea of what's next. You know, if we think about it from a research or development or even design perspective, could you comment on, you know, over the next 12 to 18 to 36 months, what do you see are some of the things that need to come to bear uh, for ultimately our, our visions to uh, come to fruition? I'm get it started. Uh, you know, the, the UOPA forum is, um, you know, I mentioned is comprised of over 120 members and we'll have to come to agreement on the standards, the interface standards um, that will, will allow us to realize the, the, the objectives of portability and interoperability, interchangeability of the edge devices we've been talking about. So the standards, and that's what's happening now, those things have to be in place before any developer is going to start uh, you know, putting a product, uh, an OPA product on the roadmap and uh, put it forward to conformance testing for certification. Uh, but you know we've done a lot of work already with uh, the GTRI work that Dave was mentioning. Um, we work with Cplane on moving some IT orchestration related technologies over to the OT space and uh, a really impressive demo they set up to show us how to manage uh, multiple edge devices uh, because that's the world we're going to many, many more smaller edge devices rather than a few uh, larger devices. And then uh, the other thing I'm is working on are field trials with the Open Gallery, which we'll be looking for a, a moderately sized plant, a couple thousand IO to be able to test uh, an open process automation system, a fully functioning system that will have operator HMIs and edge devices, regulation and control, and IO modules and alarm clusterization and reporting all the basic functions given the DCS. Um, and, and that um, that's probably going to start the site selection I think take place this year. And um, uh, engineering will start immediately after that. Great. What about uh, HPE or Intel? What do you all see as some of the, the keen areas uh, we need to collectively well, as a community? I think we touched on it, AI. Um, I mean, we've been doubling down around AI. Uh, we just bought another, uh, an AI uh, uh, company because we really do believe that those kind of, uh, anal you know, we've always talked about data analytics um, and, and user behavior analytics, but we've got to start getting ahead and trying to be predictive of, you know, of where things are going to go. Well, great. Uh, it's still a lot of exciting opportunities ahead uh, for us. And, and, and to that end, you, you know, I think there's opportunities for many folks to still get involved, to help kind of write the rest of the story, you know, from both uh, suppliers. Uh, I think there's plenty of opportunities through the Open Process Automation Forum, uh, both OT and IT suppliers uh, for those uh, in, in various enterprises, again, you know, joining the, the, the forum uh, or, you know, any other opportunities you look to see how to apply these uh, new and emerging technology capabilities within your business. Dave, you want to uh, speak just a little bit uh, about this as well, and then we'll begin to close out for today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think as a technologist, um, I, I love to see where things are headed. And, you know, in the last you know couple of years, now we have, you know, potentially autonomous driving cars. Um, you know, we've got some really, really cool technologies out there. Um, and I think it, it's important that as, as kids and folks come out of school um, and have interest in this space, you know, feel free to reach out and engage. Um, there are some really, really interesting things happening um, on the tech side and, and some really, really hard challenges that need to be, need to be solved on the enterprise side. Um, and I think it's a great time 
to engage and, and learn and become active in the community, whether, you know, whether it's through an open source project um, or a side project or part of your daily job. Um, you know, I think from a, as, as we've talked through, you know, the progress and the progression that we made um, internally, you know, there, there's a, a, a very real recognition that, you know, information technology and operation technology have um, one word in common, and that is technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the folks, the folks that build systems um, and, and the innovators and the thinkers, um, it's going to start somewhere and it's probably going to move to, you know, either one of those domains. I think the faster we can get, you know, this convergence of IT and OT to come together um, to get the really, really smart people within each organization um, to, to help push the vision and help drive forward, I think the more successful everybody is going to be. Um, and, you know, I'll hit, on, I'll hit on one more time. The other part of this is about education. Um, it's, it's really, really important that, you know, if you have an opportunity, if you're an IT professional to meet your, your friendly OT professional and, you know, talk about some of the technologies that you're working with. Um, and likewise for, for the IT professionals, you know, spend some time understanding what a control system is, um, or, or ever, however you you do your manufacturing process within, um, you know, your, your company. Um, you know, the more, I think the more you understand about the key concepts of technology, the, the more successful and the more innovation you can push within your organization. Well, I really appreciate that, Dave. So, so again, as, as we stated before, uh, you'll find some links to our uh, LinkedIn profiles in the show's uh, notes, uh, as well as a link to a white paper on uh, the topic that we've been talking about around this idea of open uh, architectures. And really with that, it's, it's time to uh, close uh, today's session. I really appreciate those uh, that have joined me on the podcast today. Uh, both Steve Batar and Dave Hedge from ExxonMobil, along with myself, Brett McKee. We also had James Morrison from HPE and Cesar martinez Basat to uh, join us as well. And lastly, again, really appreciate uh, Michael uh, and the OGGN podcast team for letting us share some insights on open process automation, edge computing, and ultimately our vision for enabling autonomous digital operations within processed manufacturing. Well, there you have it, folks. ExxonMobil's very own Brett McKee stepping in as the guest host. I believe, I believe it's the very first time we've ever had a guest host on the Oil & Gas Tech Show. Um, I don't know. There might have been one. Maybe there was one you know, before my time. Because uh, as you know, Mark LaCour started the show, and he graciously handed it over to me. And I haven't broken it yet, I don't think. So anyway, Brett, uh, thanks again. And, and the other guys who uh, joined in that conversation. I just have a couple of more things to say before we wrap up. Once again, thanks to our sponsor, Cognite. Check it out at makedatadomore.cognite.com. Also, thanks to our friends at HPE for uh, having this idea, putting this together for us, and uh, and thanks to them for all the other great things that they do with us. If you are not, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is possible. All right, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible that you just listen to this show uh, because, I mean, let's face it, who wouldn't want to listen to the show? But maybe, maybe you're just a an avid listener of the Oil and Gas Tech Podcast, but you actually don't know about OGGN, the Oil and Gas Global Network, which is, uh, so just in case you're wondering, I'm going to tell you, we are the largest and most listened to worldwide, in the, in the wide world of worldwide podcasting, worldwide, specifically for the oil and gas industry, um, and, uh, and now we actually are, uh, we're expanding, we're expanding our, our perspective, and we are now embracing the broader uh, topics of energy uh, in general. But anyway, we're the biggest in this industry. 
uh, podcast network uh, that you know, and, and we're the one that everybody listens to. So here's what you can do. Go to OGGN.com, which is coincidentally our website, and uh, you can, right there, you can see all the podcasts that we're, I mean, you can find them on Apple and Spotify and all that, but if you, if you just want to see them all kind of laid out nicely and you can peruse to see what the shows are that we're producing, they're all right there. And you can, uh, you, can, you can read about the hosts, you can read about the shows, and then you go find that show. You can actually link right out to whichever show you like uh, on your favorite podcast platform, and and the goodness just doesn't stop. So that's it. That's all I want to say about OGGN. But if you don't know about the the rest of the story, then you got to know about it because we're doing some fantastic stuff. That's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, I, I, oh, I forgot to thank... Um, I forgot to thank also uh, our, my fellow host at OGGN, podcast host, uh, Mr. Sean McCoy, who uh, is the host of, uh, he and Eric Johnson host, the Oil and Gas Elevate podcast, which is uh, which is a great show, by the way, focused on, on a lot of ESG stuff, which you, know, you might have noticed is is a popular topic these days. Anyway, Sean helped with a lot of the technical stuff and getting all these guys together and connected and all that, and uh, probably couldn't have pulled it off without him. So, Sean, thank you for that. And also thanks, uh, as always, to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman. He's going to have a good time with this one because we got a lot of different people with different uh, tonal qualities, shall we say. But I'm sure he's going to pull it off and it's all going to sound good in the end. That's going to do it, folks. Just remember that uh, when you're friends or even you're not friends, anybody gives you a hard time about how oil and gas is an old industry and we're kind of behind the times when it comes to all the cool stuff, just give them that little history lesson about how we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.